This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Great show for you guys today. Earlier this week, we did the lessons that we learned rewatching and studying the best offenses from 2022. Well, there's only one place we can go from there. Today is the defensive edition of that show. We're going to do the lessons that we have learned from watching, studying, rewatching the best defenses from last season. Here to help me do that, two wonderful guests. First of all, it's my good friend, Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. You said there's only one way to go with this. I was about to cut you off and go, special teams. <laughs> and that's what we're going to go with. Uh, but no, uh, talk about the defenses, of course. By the way, I had to throw this little factoid in there that I found when we were doing the uh, study of Super Bowl champions and the roster makeups mm-hmm. was, I believe it was the 2016 Patriots. And I, I, I think that's what it was off the top of my head. Only team that had the first and second team special teams all pro on their team. Matthew Slater and Nate Ebner. Sorry, I had to throw that fact out. I didn't. Maybe tweet that's it, the nothing. secret sauce that we've been missing. Maybe that's what we should have tapped into a little bit more. You need an all to all pro special teamer. I mean, if you look at those old Patriots teams, there's correlation there. Well, that's got to be I'm the not answer. Sure that's right? correlation. I'm just. Saying, I think that's just having an all the all pro special teams guy every single year for two decades. Yeah, but then get the second team in that one that one year. So they had both on that on that one season. So I thought that was pretty interesting. But other than that, doing great. You got to see my one gallon uh, water bottle uh, before this. It was a delight in the pre-show. I, I, I took uh, a picture of it just in case I ever need that. Just like yeah. throw it out there. I'm still happy I bought that. That was a nice surprise for myself. It was an early birthday present for myself. So I was I was very happy. Again, a nice surprise. Forgot I ordered it. Then it came in the mail. Great. Awesome. Love it. But it, doing doing very well. It's June 29th. I think that at some point over the next couple of weeks, we may be dry enough in terms of content where we can trot out the, was Matthew Slater the real cause of the Patriots dynasty? It's not Belichick. It's not Brady. It's actually Matthew hey, Slater. So we're getting Ideas there. come from everywhere. We're getting Ideas there. come from everywhere. Also joining us today, thrilled to have him on for this discussion. Not sure we could have this discussion properly without having him on the show from The Athletic. It's our guy, Deontay Lee. Deontay, how you doing, bud? The only note I have on that conversation is I don't know if there's any friend I have who has attacked like adults parenting more aggressively than Nate Tice. And the, that <laughs> that hydration machine that we'll call that water, that water jug is just more confirmation of that fact. It's a new leaf. A new leaf I've turned, and it's been wonderful, but I am, I'm full-blown dad mode. I've got so many new clothes. My whole wardrobe's already changed. I've, I've aged 10 years and 10 months. All right, before we get started, and we're going to let Deontay kick this off with his first lesson, just for context, uh, we didn't do this on the offensive show. I thought it might be useful to do it here. Here are the 10 top defenses from last season by weighted DVOA which is what Nate was using a little bit. I think it is a a useful barometer for this conversation. Just so people know going in some of the teams we might be talking about. Number one, the New England Patriots. Number two, the San Francisco 49ers. Three was the Jets. Four was the Saints. After a rough start to the season, they came roaring back in the second half. Five was the Ravens, which I think is an interesting inclusion here. Six is the Cowboys. Seven was Washington. Eight Buffalo, nine Eagles, 10 Steelers. So we're talking about the best defenses in the league. Those are some of the ones that we're going to be discussing. So Deontay, asking you, point blank, if you're going back and re- studying some of these teams, looking at some of these teams, re-watching some of them, what would be your number one lesson from going back and going through that exercise? Um, I said it pre-show, um, and this is actually, I, I might present this as a question because I'm interested to hear how Nate um, contextualizes watching some of the best defenses in the NFL this past year, but going back and looking at 
things structurally, philosophically, et cetera, et cetera. One of the things that I came away questioning is, has there ever been an era of football where the run game and pass game feels more divorced in terms of what you need to do to stop both? You know, I, it made mm-hmm. I, as I was watching the drop back game and, you know, you look at teams that are talented, but maybe struggle in certain situations. Um, and I'm looking at maybe some of these more static defenses have a harder times in positions where things get more game planning. You know, Nate is obviously really good at pointing stuff like that out. I just kept walking away with like, are we out of an era where you can think? whole hog defensively when you talk about structure like oh we want to talk about playing defense a certain way because this helps us against play action and outside runs and the drop back pass game and this is what we do to quit game and it's i think it's becoming more and more a world of we have to have a particular answer for this this is how we solve x problem and then we get you know this other problem that comes up we have this particular answer i think that offense has obviously gone through that i think over the last decade and a half and i think that i'm starting to see that pop up more and more often with defense now than i ever had before so give me an example of that give me something where there it necessarily isn't a kind of blanket answer to a problem and they're more divergent than they used to be 2022 buffalo bills I would say is a mm. perfect example of this. You think about the Sean McDermott style of defense, you know, Leslie Frazier obviously calling it, and you look at some of their metrics, right? And you look at the fact that they're pretty good at getting TFLs in the run game. Even though we think of them as a team that doesn't, that doesn't blitz all that often, they're not all that aggressive. And the reason why is it's a very old school philosophy. You show up with more than one tight end on the field, we are spinning down and playing single high. And our defensive linemen are just getting as far up the field as they possibly can. And our linebackers are cleaning it up. Um, they do a really good job at getting offenses into third and medium, third and long situations. But they don't perform as well by the data as you would expect. And you turn on the film and you look at them play and it's like, well, the quarterback knows exactly where all the holes in the defense are because you know they're going to be playing quarters. You know they're going to be playing quarter, quarter, half. You don't have to worry about them sending pressure. Um, and then some of the answers that they have are so extreme in the other direction, right? As far as like, we're going to send six and play cover one. We're going to try to eat up the back with these certain blitzes and play man coverage. And that's stuff that we've been seeing in the NFL since the 80s. You know, like that's like mm-hmm. old mm-hmm. bare front stuff philosophically. So I, I kept walking away from those types of situations and a defense specifically like that thinking, can you really live that way if you don't have an extreme talent advantage at corner or on the edge. And I don't know that that exists. I don't know that that world exists in the NFL anymore. Yeah. I, I would, how I would look at it from even offense perspective is I think defenses have gotten really good. And some of my points tie into this about starting in that same shell, where we always talk about the quarter shell and getting into different things from there. So what you're saying, answering the different problems that solved, I, I feel like that's where that quarters look that defenses are kind of like defaulting into their base look, which makes sense. That's base defense, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, not base personnel, but standard defensive install. I'm sure, Deontay, you've done this a million times. 100%. That's what you're going to start with and then move and rotate away from that. I think defenses have, are now – the menu is more expanded for more defensive coordinators, if that makes sense. There's not teams that are just legion of booming it or, or you know, like just cover three and man every single time. Um, they're actually using all parts of the menu and ordering from different parts of the menu. That's how I look at it from an offense perspective is that, and one of my first point will tie into this is that 
they're getting to different things. Even the teams that major in certain things, their changeups are more expanded. There's more pitches that they throw out. That's how I look at it. So I agree with you that that and from your perspective, it's so funny. We talk about the same things, but just how we verb <laughs> our right. verbiage is so different for how we talk about it. But I, I see the same way. The menu has expanded for more coordinators right now. So Deontay, does that, are you saying that you think the best defenses are able to solve more problems with one blanket solution or the best defenses are able to be hyper specific in how they solve problems? It's hyper specificity to me. Like okay. when okay. I think about like the best example of that, you think about like Cincinnati, right? And what they're able to do yeah. to patch over the holes in terms of personnel. And a lot of that is because Lou Anarumo has like an almost expert level understanding of here is how an offense is going to attack us specifically in this particular situation based on the matchups we have on the field. Here is our answer. And they are, they are able mm-hmm. to execute that week over week. Same thing with like the second half of the year with Baltimore. Right. I think the more that they kind of realized, hey, we can't generate the kind of edge pressure that we would like. Let's get into some more simulated pressures. Let's get into more man coverage. Obviously, I think uh, the Chargers in the second half of the year did a little bit of the same of like, we can't just sit back and play quarters all day. We can't play two man all day. That's not going to get it done for us in passing downs. We've got to play more cover one. We've got to play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. We've got to get more hands on bodies and we've got to send more pressure when it's, uh, when it called, when the situation calls for that in order to get the results that we're after. So I think that, like I said, defense, I think is just kind of starting to walk itself more towards, Hey, first down, we want to attack things this way. This can still look a lot like the way it looked in the early 2000s, in the 90s, in the 80s, based on the personnel and formations that you're getting. But when you start getting in the second and five plus, you start getting in the third and four plus, and you can Passing see, yes, yeah. yeah, so all these all these different varied looks, and you've got to be accounting for all the different ways that offenses can attack you. You have to think differently about how you solve your problems. You cannot just show Absolutely. up and say, oh, we'll go from playing 3D to playing quarters and the the offense is just going to be you know sitting on their hands because they're not going to know what to do with themselves those answers exist on offense so you have to have specific answers on defense nope i love that that ravens is a great example especially post bye week yeah and then that's one of the examples from all my 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 points but this ties into this is post bye week they ran everything one week it's 20 percent this one week it's 10 percent this they're just running every but because you have to have different answers and Mm -hmm. there's more even in NFL offenses, even though it is copycat and and people lean into different things, and that's why you have to tweak your formulas as well to counter what the offenses are doing. Yeah. I think your Bills example is another great one because, like you said, McDermott and Leslie Frazier used to run like two coverages, so it was right. easy. <laughs> and then now they're they're running simulated pressures out of nowhere. Like Matt Milano's coming on stuff. And it's like, where's that coming from? They're running a play. I'll talk about odd mirror, which right. you know, the defensive stuff. I'm just using a specific term here, but they're throwing in different changeups. And I think that's awesome. I think just as offenses are looking to expand their repertoire, I think defenses are doing the exact same. Even if there are standard coverages, they're just leaning into different stuff. What I thought was interesting is I was trying to find through lines structurally. You know, is there a certain type of defense, whether it's box counts, the types of coverages that you're playing, how much man you're playing, how much you're blitzing. And if you look at the best defenses in the league, Deontay, it's kind of all over the place. Like there isn't one specific structural thing that's become the quickest path to a really good defense. And I think a really good example of that is like what the Vikings look like last year, where they kind of take this this overlay of what we think the defensive meta is. And then you look at their version of it and it's a disaster, like more often than not. And then you look at a team like Dallas, right? 
a lot of the best defenses in the league, if there is kind of one similarity that we can point to right now, a lot of them were able to defend the run out of pretty light boxes. You know, a lot of the best defenses in the league are six or fewer guys in the box on more than half of their snaps. The Bills, the Jets, the Ravens, the Niners, Washington, the the Bengals were 13th, but then Dallas is down there at like 25th. Like Dallas isn't afraid to throw another body in there, but they do so many other things well. So it was hard for me to find, and you use structure in the first sentence you said, Deontay, structural through lines that really tied a lot of this stuff together. And I think that gets to what you're saying, where there's a level of specificity and kind of situational solution, situational answers you need, where you can't really paint this stuff with a broader brush as you might want to. Absolutely. I mean, and I think it's counterintuitive to the way that we think about defense, which is why I think the conversation about that side of the ball is going to continue to evolve and change over time because we are so programmed to think. And I think defensive coordinators for so long have been so programmed to think in order to be a good defense, you have to have a calling card. And now I think it's more and more like the calling card is whatever the hell is going to win on Sunday. Right. That has been more of, that's something that we associate more with offenses, right? Is yeah. if you've got the a run game now. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. It's not as important who you're paying the most. It's getting the ball to the guy that is going to win, right? We think of offense in that way. And the best offenses in the NFL year over year reflect that, right? That's how you solve problems. The teams that you hear Nate and, and you, Roberts, talk about throughout the season, week over week, it's problem solvers, problem solvers, problem solvers. Defense is not often thought of in that way. It's more like, hey, to stop the run, you're supposed to do X thing. To stop the pass, you go into X thing. And I think it's right. more and more like, well, conditionally, what exactly is it that an offense is doing to pass the ball? If it's over routes, then yeah, you might want to run a little bit more quarters. But if a team is tearing you up up the sideline, playing cover four does you no good. You want to get into two right. deep. You don't want to play cover two and protect your corners. Um, and I think that yep. we're seeing more problem solving, more decision making done on that axis than the old way of, hey, first we've got to start here. And then when we get to this particular situation, we'll get out of this world and go into these very specific two or three calls and that'll be enough that's just not enough i don't think in this era of football i got a couple more thoughts on this but i want i want to keep us moving nate why don't you try out your first one and i'm sure we'll revisit this in some way shape or form yeah we will uh because yeah some it's it's some some of those points that Deontay is making is a lot of stuff that maybe i have points and on other points or sub points on other points so it's kind of this could be a lot of fun because i think what Deontay is saying is Defenses, I think, too, were always kind of in their true, true families. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to be talking about blitzes later and uh, what's going around the league. I think defenses in the NFL has become more copycat and more universal, just like offenses have. And I think everyone's willing to talk now and everyone's willing to communicate now. But that, that's a later point. But I agree with Deontay. It's really interesting. But to me – That's why – one, one, one thing I think is interesting yeah. to point out there, if you look at like the coaches specifically – who are yeah. in charge of some of these defenses. I think of Jonathan Gannon and Mike McDonald specifically, the coordinators for the Eagles and the Ravens respectively last year. Some of the, A lot of the stuff those guys were doing, that's not where they come from. Like They're not on that tree at all. And this is just, ah, this works. So maybe we should sprinkle some more of that in there. So I think those two examples specifically, I mean, there's no lineage or genealogy that would bring either of those guys to that mm-hmm. place. And this is leading right into my point is that teams, even ones that major for years and years in certain things, everybody is kind of running everything now. And I was using it. I'm just going to look at the numbers of the fading of man coverage mm-hmm. in the NFL. Cover one is getting weaned down more and more as teams are finding a way to run cover their versions of cover two, too high in general, like cover four, cover six. And if you just look at teams in the past, 
that have majored in man coverage. And we're just looking at recent examples. But but I'm going to look at just NFL total NFL rates, and I got two specific examples here. I'm trying to keep this under five minutes on like my <laughs> offense pod. So and on first, I'm just looking at first and second down rate because third and fourth down rates are a totally different world, and I have right. points on that later. But in 2019, the man coverage rate in the NFL on first and second down was 27.6 percent. Last year is 16.7 percent. It's dropped 10 percent over 10 percent. Uh, Patriots. Two teams I want to bring up are the Patriots. And the Cowboys. Yep. I mean, and that's, that's because. That's the two I was going to ask you about. Yeah, I mean, where their backgrounds yeah. come from. Yeah. Yep. Because I, I know I've talked to you about this, Deontay, is that this is the most too high I've seen Bill Belichick ever run. Mm-hmm. He ran so much quarters last year. And or, or, I, it might be Steve Belichick or it might be Mayo. It might be, you know, other influences there. But on first and second down in 2019, the Patriots ran man coverage nearly 40% of the time. They ran it under 20% last year. Yeah. Half. Of what they did. In 2021, it was 28%. So it just keeps dropping, dropping. The Cowboys in 2021 ran man coverage on first and second down over 32% of the time. Yes. Last year was just over 20%. So those are guys that lived in man coverage, Dan Quinn and Bill Belichick and his tree. And now they're leaning into different coverages. Uh, Patriots ran more quarters than they ever have with a bit more cover two. And the Cowboys lean into cover two variations and a little more cover three, which is, of course, what you know Dan Quinn has run before. And that also makes sense because they run dime personnel. So they have a lot of light bodies. So it's loaded up with another another body, which is load up the box with the next extra guy to go single high. But even look at other defenses, like the 49ers of D'Amico Ryans. They quadrupled their rate in cover two. Uh, the Jets under Robert Sala and Jeff Ulbrich, who I thought would run more man coverage because they have this guy named Sauce Gardner. <laughs> no, they, they doubled their rate of cover six. That was their new changeup. And all these things, it's, it's just, I think all of this has kind of come together. Even the other top defenses that you listed off, Robert, because I went off the same list, is that those, they are all kind of old runners of cover four or two high coverage. Saints, Commanders, Bills. Even then, I, brought, I was going to bring up the Ravens defense. They have leaned into more too high stuff as well. So you're seeing everyone kind of run everything now, even the ones that used to major of the certain things. So I'm continuing Deontay's point here with just more specificity. specificity. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, it, I just think that stuff is super interesting, that even the guy that Belichick, who I associate with man, 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 man coverage, man double, man double, man double, yep. now it's like, no, we're going to run quarters and cover two. And I just think that's so cool. They went from 2% cover four, in 2021 to 10%, five times as much. And then cover two went up as well. So I just think just continuing Deontay's point is that I think it has become a little bit more copycat in a good way. And things have become more universal in whatever all the teams are running. And right now the meta is too high. And that's what everyone's going to be running. There are variations of that now. I I would think I love the fact that you use those two. And I would say that those are the two guys that you would best see um, trends changing over time with because they were so staunchly connected to what they did philosophically. Mm-hmm. And then you see it, and then you really see it um, reinforced with Dan Quinn by going out and getting Mozzie Smith, right? Who yeah. is like antithetical to his idea of bare front, cover one. I just want guys that are getting out of their stance, taking up as much space in the backfield as possible. Now it's more like, well, I want to take a safety out of the box I need a bigger human being to protect my linebackers then. Yes. You know? So important to point out. That's such a great point. And then on Bill Belichick's side of things, you look at the way that they play 3-4 defense. And for them, I'm sure for Gerard Mayo, for Steve Belichick, it's probably an easy sell saying, hey, we're asking all these guys to two-gap anyways. 
We yeah. put all this stuff on the front to solve problems for us in the first place. If we want to play with lighter bodies and still two gap, you know, lighter bodies on the second level and still two gap on the first level, well, then we can walk a guy out of the box and yep. protect us a little bit more on play action passes, on quick game, on more of the perimeter runs. So all this stuff kind of ties together. And that, again, gets back to defense is not a matter of hitting the easy button as many times as you can anymore. These, yeah. these are guys who are more focused than ever on, well, what is the competition doing? We have a particular answer for our competition. It's not just Bill Belichick waiting until third down to get into those bare fronts and putting seven up on the line of scrimmage or spying guys and playing two man. Now we're starting to see that mentality carry itself earlier and earlier and earlier in the offensive series. And that's where I think we're starting to see these interesting things where teams are kind of starting to back off of some of the things that we would connect them to most in order to find success on early downs. If you look at the numbers in 2021, the Patriots were 27th in the percentage of their defensive snaps where they had six or fewer guys in the box, about 40%. Last year it was 49%. They were 14th. So you go from bottom of the league to just right. above average. And I think mm-hmm. that exa- everything you guys are saying is kind of indicative of that movement. Absolutely. It's, I, I love how you said it was an easy sell in New England because it's like, oh, we, we still get the ass kick up front. Okay, right. cool. Like, <laughs> like, that's great. Okay. Yep. That doesn't change. Like you say, that doesn't change anything philosophically or at least mindset wise up front. It's just you're changing the math and changing the body count on the back seven, which it matters more and more. Quarterbacks are really freaking good. Yep. <laughs> and like they're, and these young quarterbacks are really freaking good. I mean, that we, how many AFC quarterbacks do the Patriots have to go against? There used to be, they, what was the Saban's line about playing, uh, Dan Marino? You can't break, you can't break on, on the ball. You can't break on the ball. You can't break on the ball against Dan Marino. Now there's a dozen guys, not saying they're the Dan Marino caliber, but they can whip that pigskin in there. So, you know, or more. Right. Um, so that is where it is. These guys are just so good. And the passing concept, concepts have gotten so complex that they have answers for everything. So it's just that it's, it's funny. It's now we're getting to the, I know what you know, what I know stuff. And I think that's really cool that defenses, and this would be my second point later, but defenses are kind of going like, we're going to be a little bit more passive and, but not, not mindset wise, but more, we're going to flood the lanes and make you work for it and not sweat so much. I'm trying to get all these kind of perfect play right at the perfect time. Well, it's interesting because we were, we were talking about, I don't remember which show this was on. We were discussing the Cowboys and how my concern was, I think it was the, the cold take show. We're like, how are they going to be as good on defense if they can't create as many turnovers? And the answer was, if you become less volatile in the amount of big plays that you're giving up. And that is almost directly correlated to that 10% downtick in the amount of man coverage that they were using. So I think that they're a perfect example for that exact point. Deontay, what's your next one here, buddy? My next one, I was really focusing on third and normal. So I, I categorize that as like three to six. And we'll, I'll get to my third and long point as far as like seven to 10 after that. But I think third and six, and this gets back to what I was saying in my first point of the amount of variety that's necessary. That is the NFL down. Third, yeah. third and four, third and five, third and six. That's what separates the great teams from the so-so teams from the not so good teams, right? And I was really honed in on what the what the Chiefs do to solve their problems, what the Bengals do to solve their problems, and what the Titans do to solve their problems. And I really want to take mm. some time to talk about Shane Bowen in a second because I think that he's a pretty good reflection of some of the stuff we've talked about early as well. Yeah, um, I, I think that 
in, in the thing I took away mainly was the same thing we've been talking about throughout this process, which is that cover one can really is really best used today as a tool to disguise your intentions to do other things. And for these three teams that I mentioned, they all play a lot of cover one on third down because it's the league and that's what you do. Give me, give me, on give me the teams down. one more time. So that will be the Bengals, the Chiefs, and the Titans. Gotcha. Okay. That I was focusing on. They all played their number one coverage, non-blitz coverage on third third and normal was cover one because this is the league. Mm-hmm. You got to take, you got to play tight windows. You know, it, it's tight window yeah. throws and third down. You need you to have. Can't it. not play man. You're exactly. gonna have to play man at some point. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But the common theme that I'm noticing with all of them is higher rates of cover two than just about all the other teams in the league. And yeah. we've talked about this with Dan Quinn. This is an obvious thing with Steve Spagnuolo. This has been like the Steve Spagnuolo blueprint since he was the Giants DC, right? Is you use the threat of sending pressure and playing man coverage to set up all your two deep rotations. And then you look at Shane Bowen and the Titans, and this has been for the last couple of years. And even with Dean Pease, it's bringing guys from all kinds of angles, dropping guys out from all kinds of angles. And now I go from, I think I'm getting a five-man rush in man coverage Two linebackers are dropping out in the windows and I, where I can't throw the ball on end breakers anymore. Yes. I can't just pump and go. On, I can't just pat the ball and go on a fade anymore. Yep. And I think that that's been a very effective method for a lot of these defenses that don't have dominant corners, that might not have top flight A1 edge rushers to still perform at a high level in terms of success rate and defensive EPA in these passing situations. So that's been my big thing is, and and it all kind of revolves around this central point that what we considered an easy button for the last 15, 20 years of defense is now really best used as a vehicle to mask your intentions for all the other stuff that allows you to take away what offenses are doing best right now. Structurally, do you think there's something specific about cover two that makes it the right changeup from those man looks on third down? Or do you just think it's a changeup and that's why it's effective? I think it's most effective because it's such an extreme change of picture from cover one. Um, Dan Quinn and Steve Spagnuolo obviously do this to a degree that I think is almost borders on ridiculous at times in terms of dropping the nickel from the line of scrimmage out Their to the disguises deep are so silly. Making <laughs> making the weak safety look like he's a robber player, but he's really like the Tampa yeah. dropper in, in Tampa too. Like, but that's why. It's because yeah. you can make cover two out of all these different looks and it never, ever, ever has to look like that's what you're going to do. It's one thing saying, hey, we're going to show a quarter show and you can't tell where the quarter side is going to be, where the half side is going to be, you know, the leverage of the nickel, yada, yada, yada. Like there's there's value in that. But that to me is more of like a base defense type of thing. This is more of, hey, we are showing you the look that every quarterback that has ever played football in this league has seen since the 70s. And now we're changing the picture rapidly on you. And you've got to yep. go from, hey, quick slant to the slot, we'll take it. Option route to the back, we'll take it to, okay, now if this guy breaks out, there's still a corner sitting there waiting on him. If I want to take that fade ball, I've got about a three-yard hole that I can fit this into without getting my guy lit up or turning the ball over. And yeah, now it's no you longer start- a fade ball. It's a exactly. different, very different sort of trajectory <laughs> we're talking about there. Absolutely. Yeah. And then that allows you, and now that brings you back to, well, how do you create pressure if you don't have a legitimate all-pro, pro-bowl-level pass rusher? Is by buying time, right? It's by buying time. It's by sending a fourth rusher from an unconventional spot. It's by walking guys up to the line of scrimmage and dropping them out. 
I think about Dennis Allen for years before, you know, when he had the best versions of that defense with Marcus Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, um, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and the fact that he could walk to Mario Davis up to the line of scrimmage and create all these different looks. And you have to honor the fact that in spite of how much man they wanted to play on third down, it could be quarters. It could be bracket. It could be two. It could be any soft two deep shell. So that to me, I think, again, just kind of reinforcing the point, cover one has to be a vehicle for you to do other things if you really want to be effective against high level quarterback play in the league right now. My favorite example of this, because I was just rewatching this game today is those two plays from the divisional game between the Cowboys and the Niners yes. where the linebackers were mugged up and they played cover two. And Fred mm-hmm. Warner's running down the pike with CD, with CD, CD Lamb, Lamb. On, two, on two different plays. It's like, how the fuck do, could you ever think that that is how that is going to play out when you look at the that, pre-snap picture? That's what's so cool about the athleticism of defenders now yeah. is they can do shit like that. It's like, oh my God. That, there was like two guys growing up that I knew, like Erlacher right. and like Ray Lewis. Right. We were like, okay, yeah, all world guys. But now, I mean, Fred Warner is too. But but even other teams are, you know, I mean, the Patriots are running some of their big stiffs from the line of scrimmage or they <laughs> right. have Kyle Duggar, a safety going from the line of scrimmage all the way back. No, it's – no, that's a great point. And, and shoot, I'll just kind of add in like because this was kind of like a half point I had just in case it came up. But I was going to say simulated pressures aren't going away. Yeah. Uh, they're they're – Teams are only cranking it up more. You watch college right now; it's it's everyone's cranking it up. And what do a lot of teams run behind simulated? It's cover two, and yeah. just what you guys were saying. So, uh, just we bring the point you brought up, Deontay, and from an offense perspective, why that's such a a pain from a quarterback's perspective is if I think I'm getting heated up, or you know, if it's man coverage, I'm like, okay, single high look. They might be bringing five as a quarterback. It's like you got two seconds. You got two seconds to make a decision, get rid of the ball, and then if they drop into cover two, then it's all those lanes where the hot throw is or the quicker throw is are gone because now there's bodies everywhere or a flat route. And this is the Dennis Allen example you're bringing up or Greg Williams used to do this as well. Yeah. Uh, they do the two trap stuff. Yeah. And so you're throwing, you think you're throwing a hot corner or a hot flat route and there's a, cor- a corner back just waiting there, just blowing that shit up. Yep. And it's like, there's nothing worse than a quarterback than doing that to your receiver. It's like, ah, sorry. I, it's where the read took me. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but that, and that's what teams are just going to do more and more. And the, the other benefit of that is you're running cover two, which is the flooding, the flooding the lane, the passing lane coverage is a lot of times you occupy the running back, even with brushing four. And that's the benefit of simulate pressure is by the offense's rules. They're like, oh, running back's got that guy. But now they still have seven in the coverage and it's cover two and you only have four eligible receivers out. That is. You're you're already a hand tied behind your back before you get and then some quarterbacks are fine, some concepts are still fine against that, but that takes post snap analysis, that uh-huh. takes um a, a hard throw, that takes a lot from quarterbacks. So the best quarterbacks, of course, can do it, but all the ones that are average or worse, that's a lot. And for offensive court coordinators that are getting gamed up, they get gamed up a lot by those looks. My favorite games to watch on that example was Mike McDonald versus the Bengals. In, uh, in the playoffs, the mm-hmm. yep, in the yeah. playoffs, it was a masterclass of controlling what an offense can do in the passing game by manipulating yeah. the back. And one of the things that he did that made me start thinking about this even further, I think, it made me start thinking about like the way that the Steelers play defense for like. 15 years. I was like, oh, the nickel is blitzing. You're dropping the weekend. You're playing three deep, three under. Okay. You know, fires on fires on fires. 100%. (laughs) But the, and I bring that up to say that like one of the things I'm really noticing is 
if you're going to bring a guy from distance, from that level of distance, where all these quarterbacks now are almost hyper-trained, like robotically trained to be able to see pressure coming from the wide side of the field and answer it. If you're going to do that, you do have to have more radical changes of the picture now. Yeah. That is the two-trap stuff. That is all these different tamper rotations. Explain, explain two-trap really quickly. So two trap to me, I think if me and Nate are looking at it the same way, it's basically playing. It's a five. It could be a five man pressure. You know, it's kind. Mm-hmm. It's a four two deep four under, but their rotations are different on both sides of the field. So wherever you're bringing the pressure from, you're going to have a corner sitting in the flat, and you're going to have a safety over the top because that is the that is how you're trying to trap that throw. You want the quarterback to see Nicholas blitzing. I'm throwing the yep. speed out to this open yep. slot receiver and what would be fire zone, you'd have a guy that's inside yep. leverage of the slot. So you're just throwing an open air. You th- you think you're beating three void, but it's really two. It's really two. two. So, so it's it's a, it's a disguise. But you're, now defenses are doing only rushing four and doing the same thing. And exactly. That, that's where the pain. That's where the pain comes from. And the reason why I bring up the rotation and why that's so effective is usually on the backside, it does look like cover three because you'll have an yeah. overhang that's dropping to the flat and a corner that's dropping to the and half. the safety flying over exactly. and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's just like that oh. processing speed. You know, it becomes really difficult for you to change your your mentality on that yep. that quickly but that it's you know, a bad quarterback the same thing right it's all it's about yeah. just creating problems for quarterbacks and even with the cd yep. lamb example with fred warner one of the reasons why that's such a great play defensively is because as a quarterback that's my only answer yes it's the, guy yes, the right the answer that's it that's all i've got and you got the rest you of the progression hero is taken away. You know, I have correct. I have a half a second now because I've got all this pressure bearing on me. By the time I recognize what the coverage shell is, I can only put the ball in one spot. Oh, and I'm throwing it up against an all pro and probably a, yep. a future Hall of Famer, what? you know. So so cover two other than checking it down, but if you want to gash a cover two defense, these are the answers for the quarterback. A deep dig route, yep. a seam ball, a deep corner where a corner a cornerback is sinking underneath. Or hit uh, hit them all the way over the top on a post route. Yep, those aren't the easiest throws to make for a quarterback, and that's why it's a it's a pain, and that that's why they do this because it's like okay, if you beat us, fine, but we're gonna make so sure that a it's a lot of time. We're gonna make sure it takes time and it's all mad and difficulty for you. Yep. Like that's what we're, that's what they're betting quarterbacks are trying to do over and over. And if we're, we're bringing it all the way back around to what we talked about earlier this week, Nate, if those are how your all your answers to that are terrible, right? What is a good answer? Just pound the shit out of them, right? Exactly. And if and if you can't, then you're in really big Real trouble. Exactly. And that, that, tying in the conversation we had earlier and this week to the conversation we're having. It's now. all. It, it's funny. This is 2009 NFL. We yeah. we've gone back 14 years, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but just with match rules now are more common than spot drop rules. Yeah. Yeah. Really, it's like as far as so it's even harder. Really, it's even harder. Yeah. I know. So because then then they go, oh, we'll just run the high yeah, low, yeah, yeah. and then now you guys got matching it, yeah, and yeah. it's like, yeah, I know. So that's what. You have to attack underneath somehow, but that's why quick game only has a limit. There's a limit to quick game, so that's why you have to run the ball. You have to be efficient because this is what defenses are doing. Even at the most stalwart, single high guys are going, we're going to run cover two and quarters now, and you can't beat it. They're just going to keep doing it, and it's going to be a pain for you for 60 minutes. Nate, you're up. What's your next one, bud? Next one, and God, a lot of these tied together, which I think is really fun. But um, blitz rates on passing downs are dropping, mm-hmm. and and the types, of, but the types of blitzes are getting copied by everybody now. And I'm, I want to hear Deontay's thoughts on that uh, in a sec. But that's something I've noticed from an offensive perspective. But when overall blitz rates, 
kind of they've gone down compared to 2019 and 2020, but actually rose from 2021. But third and fourth down blitz rates just keep dropping yep. every single year. It's just, I mean, honestly, this is tying into everything Deontay has said and kind of I've hinted at in the show is they're they're not letting themselves get gashed. Mm-hmm. It's just the overall philosophy of defenses right now. They're they're betting on making the quarterback make a mistake, not just with one play. It's not the gash or be gashed. It's over time. It's saying that we'll make them make a mistake if they can't just keep doing this over and over. And really, the example that I looked at more than anyone is Spags. <laughs> um, Spags is uh, Steve Spagnuolo for the Kansas City Chiefs. His overall blitz rate has fallen compared to last year and several years ago. His first and second down blitz rate has stayed exactly the same, but the third and fourth Blitz, blitz rate, third and fourth down blitz rate dropped 5% from 2021 and 10% from 2020. The Cowboys dropped 7% from 2021 to 2022. And you just look, I mean, just this is the copycat nature of the week, but also I'll talk about the types of blitzes that I'm seeing more and more. And I want to kind of get here Deontay's perspective again, but I mean, just look at that overall third on uh, 2019 overall in the whole NFL, third and fourth down blitz rate was almost 25%. Now it's 20.5%. So it's dropped almost 5%. That's significant. That's several third and fourth downs a game, every game. And so that that's just something I've noticed. Teams are really going to rally and tackle. Make them go underneath, rally and tackle, or make a hero th- throw beyond the sticks. That's what they're daring these quarterbacks. They're saying, you're good. We're admitting that you're good. So we're not going to make it harder on ourselves and let you gash us for a 30-yard gain because you wadded up the protection. And I actually do think some of that is because more of these offenses are Shanahan-based they don't run that typical seven man protection with seven, seven step drop back stuff. The Bengals will do it. The Chiefs do it a little bit. There's others that do it, but the Shanahan offenses don't major in that. And why that matters is because that's the best way to beat pressure teams. We're going to wad it up and we're going to gash you down the field. That's the Bengals versus the Chiefs in 2021 several times. There's several instances where that happens. So. Fewer teams are doing that type of protection, so why make it hard on ourselves and get blocked up and get gashed for a play? No, let's just make it hard on the quarterbacks. And let's flood the zones, limit the yak, make it rally and tackle. So this is continuing just the points that I think this whole show is already making, is that defenses are ma- not passive, but making offenses work for it. And this is just another instance of this where it's just like, let's not blitz them. Let's not ga- like make it hard on ourselves. 100% with you. And I think that, you know, and I, I want to hear what you're seeing as well. But one of the things I'm noticing, especially in you mentioning the protection, and this goes back to simulated pressures and controlling the back, which mm-hmm. I know is a conversation we'd have multiple times. When you're trying to get all these guys out in these passing progressions and you're trying to work all these high lows and space defenses out horizontally as much as you can, there's really only so many things you can do in protection. Your mm-hmm. your answer your answer key is so limited in protection, and that's where I think defensively, like like we're talking about being very specific about what you're doing on the back end to answer what offenses are doing to you. The a lot of the real creativity on passing downs is happening up front, and I mm-hmm. think that it's un, it's undersold just how much of an effect it's had on quarterbacks when you're talking about these elite defenses. Um, I think one of my favorite examples from last year was watching the 49ers versus the Rams on that Monday night football game where they just beat them down, getting into bare fronts with three-man pass-offs. And that's how you beat the protection that you see all across the league that you said is so, um, so heavily influenced by the Shanahan tree guys trying mm-hmm. to get five out in the route. 
You've got to go most dangerous man, big on big, 5-0, whatever your term is for it. And once you start talking about, hey, I've got my eyes locked in on this guy and it's not like playing an area, you know what that's a lot like? Man coverage versus zone coverage. Right. And if you're running man coverage on defense, you know what beats you? is tight splits and a lot of guys passing through traffic. So what do you do on defense? If you're getting man protection, you walk everybody up. So everybody's accounted for. And then I'm going to make a whole bunch of movement and traffic on the interior and dare you to pass it off. And I'm going to give you that. I'm going to give that guard, that backside guard that is working on this guy as a twist is happening, seeing somebody flash across his face and thinking, "Uh, can I really trust that my tackle is about to pick up my guy the way that he's supposed to? Can I afford to be the guy that screws up? And more often than not, when you start talking about looking at these high level edge rushers that are also playing in schemes that allow them to move, San Francisco being one of them with Nick Bosa, Mm -hmm. it puts in one more layer of stress into the picture. So that's a lot of what I'm seeing is when teams are bringing five, what they really want to do is just eat up the protection as much as possible and see if they can bring a guy looping. That was basically the Eagles entire third down plan. Yeah, it, it wasn't yeah. any more complicated down, than that. Five down linemen. It? Yeah. It's not a linebacker. We've got yep. five legitimate yep. pass rushers, and you're going to have to guess where the twist is coming from. And more often Dallas than not, same, teams are Dallas wrong. is very similar, right? I mean, it's, it's a similar sort of idea. Yep. And and they and guess what? They watch film too, and I bet you they know who's your worst pass blocker is. And I bet right. you they're going to game him up yeah. over, over and, and over. Watch, you want to know how the Cowboys think about a different opposing team's offense? Watch where Micah Parsons yeah. lines up. Yes. And where he attacks. They will tell That's you who they, they have no respect for based on where Micah Parsons. I can just go, oh, the right guard sucks. You know, I could just tell you based on their third and fourth down package where Parsons is lined up. No, it's such a good point. I love that man zone with the blocking stuff. That's a great point to bring up about how that ties in together. The Cowboys are another really good example here because, Nate, you talk about their blitz rate dropping. But I am I guarantee you, I don't have numbers on this. They ran more stunts than any other defense in the NFL last season. Oh, absolutely. So it's, yeah. it's, it's a level of creativity that doesn't involve more bodies, but it doesn't tick down the aggressiveness at all. It just manifests in a slightly different way. And and that's the that that's where I see the biggest influence from those Seahawks teams from the 2010s yes. is that they used to they bring out all the horses, all the thoroughbreds, and we're just going to game the shit out of you. We don't need the blitz. We're going to rush four. That's another kind of side stat I, I noticed. Not only just less blitzes, less less drop eight is happening in the NFL. Uh, teams that rush straight four, it's almost 70 percent now, and that's a five percent increase from a few years ago. So it's just that's what it is. Teams have are more. It's not the straight. Hey, this is our path. We're going straight up the gap, you know, straight down the pipe. No, everyone's gamed up. There's triple man, the three man loops that you're bringing up, just games and twists. And I think that's what it is. It's just that more guys are asked to pass rush and guys are moved around more willingly. Coaches are more willing to move those guys around. And that's why I think that influences from those 2000, from the NASCAR package of the Giants, Super Bowl winning teams, and then the 2010 Seahawks. That's where you can see their you know, tree kind of coming down and the rest of the NFL doing that now. It's just, a, it's a premium. You have to do it now. Like not, I can barely name any teams that don't do it. It's basically everybody now. But if you're going to blitz less, that's how you have to create chaos. You have to twist and game your guys. So it all ties in together. That's what I think is so fascinating about this stuff. Also, I want to ask, some of the blitzes I see more teams do now. Okay, I just got to throw this in because I want to get Deontay's thoughts on this. Well, one, it's the double A gap stuff. Yes. Everybody's doing that now. Oh my God. They used to be like Zimmer and yep. like, Two other guys, like Jimmy I can name. Before yeah. he passed, yeah. used to do that um, type of Rod, stuff. Mar- Rod Marinelli. Yep. Um, those, those guys, like, like that's basically yeah. it. 
everybody does it now. Oh my God. Everybody does double A gap stuff, which is where two linebackers are sitting on either side of the center. And usually they game up the center's point and everything. There's other things you can do off of it, but it's, it's really hard on the offense. It makes them communicate. So I want to see what the offense's counters for it this year are because everyone was doing it to him last year. So you see that a bunch now. That stupid ass five man pressure that you guys do on defense where it's man coverage, but you're blitzing one linebacker and the other linebacker's green dogging the running back when he blocks. Yes. That is. Everyone, only Rex Ryan used to do that. Yes. And now everyone does it. And I, I'm sure there's some other guys that have done it before, but that's how I remember it was Rex Ryan doing that. Everybody does that now. And that is such a pain. <laughs> that yep. is such a pain because it, it's just playing off the – that's another thing. Defenses are really good with protection rules now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other one's the hug rush from two-man. That's yep. the Devin White special. Yes, and then also the co- um, everyone's been watching Belichick film for years and years and years, and that's the cover zero with all the hot droppers. Yep. and different varieties of hot droppers. So you're seeing a little bit more of that now, but it's a copycat league. And we say for offense all the time, it's for the defense too. That's that's what's going on right now in the NFL. You know you know what every one of those pressures have in common? They all come from Buddy Ryan. Those are all, <laughs> yeah. those are all 46 defense stuff. And you want to know what killed Buddy Ryan? Was that teams would go seven-man protection, full slide, that's, big on big, and throw yep. over his guys' heads. If we're in an that's era how you beat of football, Rex Ryan. Right. If we're in an era of football where nobody wants to do that anymore, well, then all this right. 46 stuff is, vi- is viable again. And that's, that's what you're seeing so more and more of on these third down blitz situations, third and longs. That's one of the reasons why I'm probably so bullish on Vance Joseph in Denver. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. you're giving him some this real pass crazy. rushing talent. Yeah. And he can he can get in third down and long and send guys from ridiculous angles and drop out into this three deep, three under stuff. And you actually have to honor it. And you can't mm-hmm. make the mistake of throwing that number two because he might pick it off. So you're right. really squeezing the options there. And all that 46 stuff, I think, gets more and more viable the more spread out the game gets. Yep. I, I totally agree. It's so funny how this, this, this goes in circles. It's a never it ending really story. <laughs> I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, though, that, that, what you said with the seven man protection stuff, it is tied in. Like, not a lot of teams are doing it. Like, the Cowboys, because Kellen Moore was, well, now he's with the Chargers, but they'll be doing it. Yep. Sean Payton will do it. Yep. But those kind of non Shanahan guys do it. Yep. But the Shanahan guys don't use that protection. They just don't. Like, it's not their, that's not their philosophy. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but that's why you're seeing it more from defenses. It's so fun how it's all tied together. Deontay, you're up. Um, Next one. Yep, my next one. And this is really a big point. Like, this is probably the central piece of everything that I've said so far today. So I don't know how much I'll have to add after this. (laughs) It's just that the NFL on defense is still a front-to-back league. It is a front-to-back league. We spend all this time. And I was one of the guys who came on this show when I was working at PFF and said it. And I was so gung-ho about quarters and split safety shells and forcing a quarterback to hold the ball. And there is merit to every last bit of what I said in 2021, how I felt in 2020 and, and beforehand. But the more the league that I watch, the more intently I watch. <clears throat> if you're a back-to-front team, you've got to be dominant in cover one. That yeah, just right. That's it. If you can't play man, you're and think in of some of the team. Think of some of the teams that inspired that conversation. I think one of the big ones when we were having that coverage versus rush di- discourse a couple years ago was the Ravens when they were playing exactly that way. Right. And there are just so fewer teams playing that way that I think it shifts the conversation a little bit. Fifteen Broncos. 
They had five yeah. legitimate plus coverage players, so you can rush five right. and play cover one, and you can't do anything about it. You know, so I, right. I think that that's really what I keep coming back to is it's so hard to replicate the teams that are elite in coverage year over year. The variance is just it's rough on you, I think, trying to look coverage yeah. first in that way. But if you can genuinely find a way, not just to go get elite pass rushers, because those are, you know, once in a generation, once every two to three drafts, and you're pro- if you're a good team, you're not in position to get those guys anyways, it's being able to manipulate what's happening up front. That's the simulated pressures that Nate is talking about. That's getting into these bear looks and running these twists like I was talking about. That's showing the threat of playing cover one to get guys to think that you're bringing pressure so you can play cover two, like Robert was talking about. All of this stuff comes back to on a fundamental level that if you want to be successful on defense year over year, it has to start with the thought of what you can do to maximize your front. And then you answer questions with where you think the ball is going on coverage. It's less so about, hey, we just want to sit in windows on the back end and force guys to check it down. That's old 1985 Bill Parcells thinking of football. And there's nothing wrong with that. You get in the third and 11, you can play like that all day because you've got the advantage of distance. In this NFL, where everybody is efficient on early downs, you better be able to change the picture for them up front, or at least have the threat of doing so to buy yourself some time defensively. I, I totally agree. I mean, it was one of the biggest takeaways I had rewatching these teams over the last couple of days. And you watch the Cowboys, and you watch the Niners, and you watch the Jets, and even the Patriots last year. Like the way that Josh Uche played, and the way that Judon is playing for them, and like the snaps they get out of Dietrich Wise, and like you mm-hmm. don't think about them as a team that's really devoted a ton of resources to that position group, but then you actually watch it play out, and you're like, they're just beating the shit out of people. They're awesome. Yes, I mean, they're, they're just so beating the shit out of people. I mean, there's you know, no Washington way the Patriots is another really be good the example. They are, if not for that. Yeah. Right. Where do you think the Patriots finished in pressure rate last year? Like, we don't talk about them this way, but where do you think they finished? It was fourth. They finished fourth in the league in pressure rate last season. So all most of the teams, and there are a couple specific examples that fall outside of this. Like the Saints were kind of weird last year. They didn't really get after the quarterback and they were good on defense. But all these teams, Cowboys, Eagles, Patriots, Jets, Washington, the Niners were 12th. But when you think about later in the year when they're a little bit healthier and they're cranking Mm -hmm. it up, they're they have the best pass rush in the league. Like it, this stuff is real, and it's impossible to ignore it when you really watch these guys and feel what it's like. And Buffalo is the other example, right? Like Buffalo losing their teeth at the end of last season is directly correlated to them having fewer horses up front to play the way they did over the first half of the year. Absolutely, exactly it. Everybody has to rush the passer, and this was—I actually had kind of a point on this, but it was—I was just kind of uh, dovetail off of it. Is that? Yeah, you have to get after the pass with your front four, and that's how you have to win. Yeah. Like that's just that's just it, and that it puts a premium on the front. And I mean, that's always kind of been my uh, football dogma. It was just I have always been up front, up front on offense and defense. But also, it's just it's that's just kind of how you have to like the quickest way to get to the quarterback is up front. <laughs> you know, to affect the quarterback is don't let him get rid of the ball, and and but also. Having tied into that, and I think we went so far away, uh, one way into the light bodies, and this is bringing up even the Cowboys example of Maisie Smith, is I think all these teams need one nose, one guy that gets you through those first and second downs. I think that it became such a, oh, every down's a passing down now. And then now as the meta is going like, oh, actually the run game's pretty important. It's going, well, we need a guy that can stop that run. And I think that's there's going to be a premium on that. I think we've seen it in the last couple of drafts. I think we're seeing it in free agency, but I think that's not going away as well as that 
you need about seven guys that can get after the quarterback and, and one guy that can hold up in two gap and, and keep your boxes clean and keep your linebackers clean. I think that that's another kind of half point to go off of this one. When I was watching those fronts, just the way they were getting after the passer, it's also what they do on rundowns. And you look at the run defense success rate on early downs for the teams that we're talking about. Yep. Niners were second. Patriots were sixth. Washington was fifth. The Jets were eighth. The Cowboys, who we think, you know, their run defense can be spotty. They were ninth. They were top Way 10 in success yeah, rate yeah. on early downs. The Ravens were 11th. The Eagles were 16th. They were just above average. We saw how that ultimately right. played out for them late right. in the season. But for the most part, all of these teams are in that conversation because of how sure. they're built up front. I mean, first and second down run rate is going to be something to keep an eye on throughout this year, especially you know, running back run rate or success rate on first and second down, how defenses stop it, because there is something to it on both sides of the ball. Deontay, there was. I was looking at that, that data specifically, and there's a yeah. commonality there. They're all Legion of Boom, Belichick, or old Rex Ryan tree guys. Yeah. And those are all yeah. staunch front to They're back the one. thinkers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They are, right? They're all front seven guys. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hey, the victors, hey, the pen, the victors hold the pen. They write history. <laughs> so we see who comes out on the other end. Nate, you're talking <laughs> about the idea of like lighter bodies and playing a little bit lighter. And, and Deontay, I think that you, you discussing like, oh, you know, more too high stuff and all of this. I think over the last three or four years, there's been like an intellectualization of defense in a way where I think it, it's gone too far. And that was kind of one of my biggest takeaways when going back and rewatching these teams. And it's so simple and it's so stupid. But I think that if you made if you lined up all the teams in the NFL, I think the two best tackling teams in the league last year, when you go back and rewatch it, were probably the Niners and the Patriots. Yeah. When you watch so, when you watch yeah. them play. And I think the Cowboys the were very much in that conversation. <laughs> yes. I was rewatching no, that point. Dallas game and just like the plays that Drake Green- Greenlaw was making in space, but not just him, like the defensive backs and the way that they play. And I watched the Patriots just beat the shit out of the Lions earlier today. And Miles Bryant made a tackle in space in like the first drive of the game. And then Kyle Duggar did it like two plays later. And you're like, these teams just play that way. There's a physicality to it. There's a mindset to it. And beyond the resources you spend on the front, can you get your front to you? uniformly play that way when you watch the best defenses consistently that's one of the things that just seeps out of who they are the guy that i come back to in dallas is dorrance armstrong dorrance armstrong makes six million dollars a year and you watch dorrance armstrong play play in and play out he's never going to be an all pro he's not that kind of guy with those kind of traits but the way that he plays that to me embodies why the cowboys are so good on defense throw out like all the scheme stuff we're talking about all the structural philosophical shit we're discussing how does it feel when you watch these teams play and i think that is one of the major through lines i kept coming back to when i was rewatching all of them right that oh well, that's the that's the chiefs that's it. That was defense for me, man. That, it's back to the fundamentals. Look at, uh, I mean, look at what the the Chiefs. They went through a whole philosophical change. Just look at the safety switch out they did. They went from Honey Badger to Justin Reed, and they they yep. just went because they went. We're tired of not tackling. Yeah. Because we're all yes, you're going to gash us and get that seven yard game, but let's keep it at seven yards. Not right. make it twenty seven. Not eighteen. Right. Yes, <laughs> and and especially if you're going to flood the coverage with zones and and have so many bodies out there that they better rally and tackle right away because right. that's the whole philosophy. It's about keeping everything underneath. So that all ties in together. Um, but no, I think that I think that's exactly it. It's like, yeah, we have to win with speed and aggression, but we have to be sound when we do yeah. it as well. And ta- ta- there's nothing yeah. more fundamental in football than what? Tackling. Exactly. <laughs> Tackling. That's exactly it. So I, I think that that really speaks volumes about what the best defenses are doing. I look at the teams that were frustrating to watch last year at times. The three that jump out to me are Cleveland, 
the Packers, yep. and then the yep. Chargers at times earlier in the season. And these right. are teams yes. that have like direct DNA ties to a lot of the teams we're talking about structurally. But when you watch them play, there's just something missing. There's something missing from the physicality and kind of the nuts and bolts of the way that they play defense. And it's obvious when you, when you see it and when you feel it, when you, when you watch it, you can feel it. You can feel the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's why I'm excited to watch what the Browns could look like this year. Because I think going from what they had to Jim Schwartz, beyond the structural differences that we're going to see, I have a feeling that it's going to feel different to watch them play defense this year. Miles Garrett with Jim Schwartz hyping him up. Oh, my God. Like, it's going to be scary. (laughs) I was just going to say, I was going to bring up Jim Schwartz and say, like, it's such – that was just such a clear message philosophically that – to go get a coach that would probably rather die than have a defensive coordinator job coaching guys who can't tackle. Yes. <laughs> like that. Yes. And, but back to your point, Robert, the only other thing I wanted to add to it, and it's really this, – this is this takes no rocket scientist to figure out the, why the And I must feel stupid like, making the point because, because no, it seems but so but obvious. It's true. No, but this is, what I, this is what I harp on. Like this is when – Nate knows this because I'll talk to our colleagues about it all the time. When I talk about the 49ers, it's almost never about like the too high stuff. And, exactly. Oh, are they playing three robber or are they playing quarters? No. The it's thing I am constantly harping on is how intimidated you can tell their opponents are based on the way they get to the football. Hundred percent. Yes. That There's, Thursday night game when yes. they played the Seahawks, even yes. though it was a close game, you can see the Seahawks offensive players snap after snap decide, "I don't want to do this anymore. Yes. You've beaten it out of us. We don't. We don't want this contact any longer." And that has a real effect when you watch the Cowboys on offense who are so used to being able to generate space and get these easy completions and turn, catch and run and get these easy first down conversions. And all of a sudden a throw on a hitch out into the seam, which is usually a nine yard gain. Now it's Dre Greenlaw chasing me inside out. And he's the exact I don't guy. think I want to, I don't want to take that guy on. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather not be tackled. I, the sideline looks like a much better proposition than that extra two and a half yards. Yeah, every team has those guys that are like one tier down from the star level players, but are embody the way that we're t- what we're talking about here. The way that these teams play, Drake Law is that guy to me for the Niners. Quincy Williams yep. is that guy for me with the Jets. Oh, yeah. Like every single Jets, team yes. has like a handful of them. It's just like you even if we're not the stars person. on this team, this is going to be the way that we play football, and and that is what 100%. good defense looks like. All right, Nate, you want to? Like, Seven of them on the 49ers. <laughs> yes. It was Cam Chancellor. You know, Jimmy Ward in the slot. Like, you need one guy who is just a little off in the head. Yes. To, be able yes. to make That's your ex- defense work. Hey, 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 uh, Deontay, what positions you play in college? Aren't you? Linebacker, man. There's, there's a reason why I spend so much time talking about the front, man. Please don't come watch me coach. If you want to keep the high opinion of me, that you, you got have some now, please don't energy when you coach, coach, man. <laughs> Nate, do you want to bring some like actual intellectual? heft to the end of this conversation um, do you have one more point can, you want to make i i yeah i'll just give a couple of half points just kind of interesting notes but again this is something we talked about last year and i think or really a lot of people have noticed and i think it's just anyone noticed in the league is that versatility uh, we talk about on offense but on defense as well especially you just look at who's playing in the slot but more teams are basing out a nickel more teams are basing out a dime um, as well. So more of those merging of body types of the 215 to 230 pounders, which it's just more and more teams are willing to do it. Your Duggars, and the, your curses, like Duggars, those are the guys Kyle that jump Hamilton, out to me. The Cowboys, Cowboys, is a good example. Yep. Cowboys got 20 of them. Uh, you yes. know, the Texans Very even have Jalen Petrie, you know, Jimmy right. Ward, all these guys. Um, so, but it's, and it comes down to if you're going to run too high, well, the slots now in the run fit. 
So yep. you better be able to tackle and they better be able to blitz. And then the guys up front better be versatile and rushing the passer as well. And then my other half point, and I referenced this is with the odd mirror thing. And the odd mirror is just one specific play call that you see on third and fourth down. And what it is, is you're rushing three. But you have a mirror. This is the play that the Bills ran against the Chiefs in the regular season and it forced the interception. A lot of people broke it down and everything. But that play is – you see it a lot in college because you see a lot of running quarterbacks in college. But guess what's happening in the NFL? Scram- ben, uh, ben Solak made this point on our offensive show. But scramble rate in 2019 was 4.1%. It's gone up half a percentage point to this year in 2022 or last year, I should say. On third and fourth down, it's gone up a whole percentage point on uh, for just scramble rates. And EPA, of course, has gone up as well. So we have to have answers. If, off- if quarterbacks are just going one to scramble, well, we have to have an answer for that. So let's flood the passing lanes, drop eight. Really, it's more seven and a half dropping them. And then we have the mirror guy. So they're rushing three. And one linebacker or one defender, he reads where the quarterback breaks contain. And that's kind of the gist of the play. The defensive ends can have can have a two-way rush and go any which way. They kind of bait the quarterback to go which, one which way because that's how the quarterback reads it. And then they come around. They mirror the quarterback. But I think you're going to see more teams doing varieties of that. And if the Bills, who were so like, oh, we only run a couple coverages, they're one of the teams already doing that. Just wait. It's only more and more teams are going to run just this little variation. So keep an eye on that coverage. I'm sure Deontay knows that play a little bit <laughs> uh, as yeah, well because sure. it's very effective, I'm sure, in high school as well when uh, you got some oh. runaround quarterbacks that you can bait on third and Two man. Especially oh, yeah. two man. Two man. I have, uh, already. I have one thing to say before I check out, just a guy to watch. And it's, it's a shitty situation because the team, I think, is headed towards rebuilding. And I mentioned them earlier, but it's Shane Bowen in Tennessee. Yeah. He might be my favorite non-Demico Ryan's guy to watch right now because of what he's willing to do to be successful defensively. Anything? You see the pressures, <laughs> literally anything. The the pressures, the simulated pressures and creepers, all the different coverage rotations, the different, you know, coverage shells that you'll see from them. And it made me want to go and look at what his lineage is. And I was like, oh, I see. A guy that worked for guys that have worked for Rob Ryan or excuse me, Rex Ryan and for Bill Belichick. He's learned under Romeo Cornell. He's learned under Mike Vrabel. You know, he's learned under Dean Pease. These are guys who are 3-4. I am sending pressure from whatever angle gets me a tackle type of philosophy. And I think it's reflected in the way they play and why I think they've been able to play over their heads in 2022 and the year before. Um, despite what I think that everybody recognizes that they lack outside of Kevin Byard and Jeffrey Simmons, that they are always playing above their heads. And it's because of what they're able to do with their coverages, with their pressures, with those creepers mm-hmm. and, and all the ver- variety that you get from them defensively. So that's a guy that I definitely have my eye on going into 2023 and beyond. When I was talking to coaches last year, last summer, about what they were looking at last offseason, the Tennessee Titans defense came up, I think, as much or more than any team or any specific coach. They just consistent. They get the most out of their guys. And I, the, so Shane Bowen is not only a guy that you're watching, Deontay, but a guy that I think a lot of coaches around the NFL are watching. Let's That's say that awesome. team sucks this year, and some for whatever reason, a bunch of guys get canned. I think it'll take 10 minutes for him to get a job. Yeah. 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 No, that's the best ones to watch last year, the ones that keep, keep adapting. That's why the Patriots are so much fun to watch last year, but then uh, obviously they're good. But Mike McDonald, uh, McDonald, uh, for, for the Ravens, he had, he adapted his coverages after their bye week, like greatly so. Even Staley just totally throwing the, the kitchen sink in the second half yeah. of the year. Yep. But yeah, Bone's another good one, but all those guys that are, 
adapting what they do based on what they have and what they're going against are really fun to watch because it's it, it, it's cool to see what they think each week. All right. That was fun as hell. That was great. That was great. Always great, man. That is all that we have for today. Sincerely appreciate you guys stopping by, spending the time with us. If you have not listened to the offensive version of this show, that came out earlier this week. Nate and I talked with Ben Solak from The Ringer about, again, some of the lessons we learned studying, rewatching the best offenses in the NFL. If you have not listened to that, I highly encourage you to check it out. We're going to be back on Monday with another mailbag. Very excited about that. Until then, appreciate you guys listening. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.